Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Um, Isaiah 43, uh, verse 18. I love this. He says, for the prophet speaking the word of the Lord says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. It's interesting to me, and I, I love these type of passages, and I feel like I land on them a lot. God's command to us is to forget some things and to remember other things. And I, and I believe really and truly that's one of the greatest skills that we could have is to forget some things. Some of my past that the enemy brings up, forget it. Some of my failures, forget it. Some of those dark hours, forget it. But remember that God was faithful. Remember that God forgave you. Remember that God provided for you. And so there's some things I'm going to forget. There's some things I'm going to remember, but I'm not going to dwell. There's some things I talk about that I'm going to stop talking about because God's moved me past it. Don't dwell on those things. And then here's why, because God says, see, I am doing a new thing. And I love the exclamation point there. I feel like I ought to say, I feel like the whole house ought to say it like God said it. See, I'm doing a new thing. Like, like there was an exclamation point there. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. It's welling up. It's bubbling up. It's popping up. It's breaking forth. And he says, do you not perceive it? And I want to stay there today. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and I'm making streams in a wasteland. I'll just connect this with Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a passage you know well, but I just want you to know it today. The prophet says, uh, for, or God says, for I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. Isn't that a blessing to know on the last day of the year? God has a plan. He says, I know it. I'm in the driver's seat. Like, I'm good. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Future. Tell somebody God has a plan. God has a good plan. God's doing a new thing. You can be seated. God bless you for being in the house. Then this worship team did a great job today. I want to give them a great big thank you as well. Um, you know, God, God has promises for each and every one of us. Uh, we call this church, this, this church family, the promised church, because God has a promise for each and every one of you. Uh, God's book is full of promises. And if God has given you a promise, you can stand on that promise. And you say, well, how can, how can I trust his promise? How can I trust his plan? And I would tell you it's because he sits on the throne. I think people were waiting for that to be like more profound or more high-minded. But no, that was it. Just like you can trust him because he's on the throne. He has all power in heaven and earth. 
like if I told you I had a plan for 2024, you say, well, that's great, but you know, there's things that happen and we, okay, yeah, that, yes. But, but God is on the throne. He's all powerful. And, and so, so he has the one, if he's the one that made the promise, he's the one that can come through on the promise. And I, I just want to settle your spirit and, and, and put the guarantee of God's word in your spirit today that God's promises, each and every one of them, will be fulfilled because he's the one that made them and it's within his control to fulfill them. And so God said to Jeremiah, I, have, I, I know that I have good plans for you. Plans to give you hope. Everybody in the house today ought to have hope for a new year. He says, I've got plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. He says, I know that I have plans, but God says, I want you to know. He knows the plan, but he wants you to know that he has a plan. Then to Isaiah, God said, I'm doing a new thing in your future and he says, do you perceive it? Do you see it? Do you understand it? And in both passages, God is speaking to the prophets and he wants his people to know there is a plan. There is a purpose. You can have hope. You can have faith. You can trust him. And if God knows the plan, he wants you to know that he has a plan. And so that's, my, that, that's what I want to get in your spirit today. It said in verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. And it said it with an exclamation point, and we all said it together with an exclamation point. I'm doing a new thing. He says, now it springs up. I love that idea. It's breaking forth. It's bubbling up. It's welling up. Nobody can stop it. It's breaking forth. And he says, do you perceive it. Can everybody say yada? yada? See, you guys are already speaking Hebrew in the house today. You did not know you knew Hebrew, but that is a Hebrew word yada. And it says, do you realize it? Do you know it? Are you aware of this? That word is perceive yada. Do you realize? Do you know? Do you uh, can, can, you, can you see it? Can you perceive it? Can you understand it? And this is, this is important for us to know God's ways, God's will, because I don't want to just live life out here trying to figure everything out when God already has everything figured out. I heard somebody say that God was their co-pilot, and I said, no. <laughs> Y'all are already ahead of me. I'll sit in first class. I don't, need to go, I don't need to fly the plane, Raj. I don't need to fly the plane. We'll let God fly the plane. He can be the pilot. He can be the co-pilot. He, yeah, I'll, just, I'll just ride in, in, the, in the first class. I don't need to be living life shooting from the hip when God already has an aim. God already has a direction. God already has a plan. He just wants you to know it. He just wants you to live it. I want to tell you today, God's book is, my, is his plan. 
God's book is his map. Do you want to know God's will? Do you want to know God's way? It's right here. It's in his promises for you. Somebody often thinks that God's plan or God's will is this mysterious thing up in the clouds somewhere. And it's hard to perceive and hard to understand. And I'll just tell you today... Most of you are holding God's word in your hand. It is his covenant. It is his will. It is his way. It is his promise. And so maybe today you're saying, what's, what's God's will for my life? God's will is for you to know him. God's will is for you to know he has a good plan. And, and, and so how do we know him? Well, I tell people that one of the greatest ways to get to know God is to be in his house. You want to get to know me? Come to my house. We'll get to know each other. If I want to get to know you, I might drop in, knock on your door, pop into your house. You want to get to know the Lord? Come to his house like we are today. Spend time in his word like we are right now. Spend time in worship like we just did. Spend time in prayer and in worship and in his word. Not just today, but every day. That is God's will for your life. For you to know him, for you to know his will and his way for your life. I'll tell you, God's will is for you to serve him. You can serve God by serving in his house. David was the king. He was the worship leader. But he said, you know what? I'm happy just opening the door of God's house for people as they come in. I see Barbara with her hand up. She was, she was in the anointing of King David today, opening the front door, just saying, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than, than be anywhere else. I don't know if anybody's got the spirit of David on them today, but I just, I'd be happy just mopping the floors in the house of the Lord. I'd be happy just, I don't want to give you a visual, but just cleaning the toilet in the house of the Lord. Be all right with me. And you can serve God by serving his house, serving his people in his house. You you can serve God by just being a light, just being a testimony. That's God's will. Just pointing people to Jesus. Just saying, God's been so good to me. Can I just tell you something, what God's done in my life? Just be a light, be a testimony. God's will is for you to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'll tell you, I think 90% of it is just doing what you know to do. Just doing what you know to do. The Lord said, just obey. If we'll just obey, there's a blessing in obedience. I think sometimes we're out there trying to do so much. God just wants you to obey. He says, if, if, if you love me, keep my commandments. Just, just follow his teaching. Just try to be like Jesus. I always have people tell me, I'm looking for a new word in 2024. And I tell them, how much are you reading your Bible? Because God has a word for you in 2024. It's a timeless book. God has a word for your day, for your week, for your month, for your year. It's right here. Just open his word, read, hear, and obey. I tell you, God's word, uh, God's will is not only to love him, but it's to love people. Forgive people. Don't hold on to offense. Uh, don't, don't find things to be offended about. Be generous. Be giving. Be loving. Be encouraging. Shake hands. Slap somebody on the back. Give them a high five. Give them a hug. Encourage them. Love them. God's wills and God's ways are all in this book. 
So if you'll step into God's will, he has a step-by-step plan and purpose to be revealed in your life. It's a good plan. It'll give you hope and a future and a blessing. And God says when he is first in your life, that you will be blessed going in, you'll be blessed coming out. When you leave your house in the morning, there's a blessing on you. When you come back in your driveway, there's a blessing on you. Destry, when you get to the job site, there's a blessing on you. When you get in the cubicle in the office, there's a blessing on you. I want to tell somebody, God's plan is a good plan. His ways are higher than my ways. His will is to bless you. His will is to take you from victory to victory, from strength to strength. God's hand is on you. But he's asking, do you perceive it? He's asking, do you see it? I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. But can you recognize it? Can you understand it? And a few things from this. I want you to see your future like God sees it. Prophet Isaiah told the people, do you perceive it? I feel like he was up preaching, and I've, I've, I've been there sometimes, not at this church, but, you know, some other churches. Somebody said they preached at the first church of the frigid air. I think I preached at that church sometime, one time. And I feel like Isaiah was up there saying, God's got a good plan for you. And the people were just sitting there like, And he just like, do you perceive it? <laughs> do you get it? <laughs> like, are you hearing me? Like, what was that meme? Like, is this thing on? <laughs> Mic check. But Isaiah was just, it welled up in him. And he was like, can y'all see it? Do y'all believe what I'm preaching here? And, and that word uh, yada that you all already knew, the Hebrew, which I was so impressed. It means to observe. It means to see. Like, can you observe this? Can you see it? And I want to tell you, you have to see things the way God sees it. If you don't see things the way God sees it, you will worry about tomorrow. You will worry about 2024. You know, it, God, God is on the throne. And, and if, you, if you can see him on the throne, it, it'll change everything. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry about tomorrow. He calmed their fears and worries by saying, do the birds starve? And they were like, no, they don't. And and he said, do birds store up crops and store them in barns? And and the people were like, no. And he says, well, God feeds them. And and then he says, do flowers worry about the clothes that, that, that they'll be clothed with petals? And they were like, no. And he says, because God causes the flowers to spring up petals in the right time. And Jesus says, don't you know? Do you observe? Do you see? Don't you know that you are much more valuable than a flower? You are much more valuable than the field. And he scolds them and says, oh, you of little faith. Don't worry about what you're going to wear tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to eat next week. He said, your heavenly father knows what you need before you even need it. And he knows what tomorrow holds before you wake up in tomorrow. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I can have faith knowing that the same God of 2023 is going to be with me in 2024. 
He is in control. I've got to see it like God sees it. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's still on the throne. Don't worry about what you face. He's still on the throne. And he knows what you need. In 2 Kings chapter 6, God's people were facing all kinds of trouble. Their enemies had aligned against them. They were in a famine, and their enemies were strategizing and bringing attacks, and, and all of these things were lining up against them. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that you felt like everything was lining up against you. Yeah, there's stuff going on at work, and there's stuff going on in the house, there's stuff going on in the, in the bank, and there's stuff going on in the economy, and there's all oh, that. And it can feel that way sometimes, like there's a lot coming at me, and I'm standing here by myself. But one thing I love about that story is that the enemies are strategizing and preparing an attack, and they actually said to one another, they said, we ought to be careful about all this strategizing against God's people. And they actually said, I bet the prophet Elisha can hear us in our bedrooms while we're strategizing against him saying he's a prophet and, and and like God's on his side and he might be like revealing our secret battle plans here in our meeting room and so what happens is the enemies begin to surround the city with horses and chariots ready to attack uh, God's people and and even specifically they were going to capture Elisha and Elisha had his, his, his understudy. Elisha had his assistant, Gehazi, with him. And, and it says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. And he comes to the prophet and he says, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? He's talking to the prophet, they would call him, almost like my boss. He's saying, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And here's what the prophet said. He said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us, it feels like a lot of them are against us sometimes. But the word of the prophet was, those that are with us are more than those that are with them. I love that. And then, he didn't stop there. Verse 17, the prophet prayed. Elisha prayed. It says, Elisha says, hey, let's pray. Now, I don't know what I would have prayed. I don't know what you would have prayed in that moment, but I feel like I know what I would have prayed. I would have prayed, Lord, send fire from heaven. I would have prayed, knock them down, turn them around. Like do that lightning bolt thing that I just like I just just do just just come in and start fighting them and just but that's not what the prophet prayed. The prophet prayed, open his eyes so that he may see what I'm saying to him. That there's more with us than are with them. And it said, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All of a sudden, he began to see not in the natural realm, but he saw in the supernatural realm that God has an army of chariots and fire. 
God has an army full of horses and angels. God is protecting. God is providing. Oh, some, I feel faith rising in the house. God is able. He's with you. You might not be able to see it with natural eyes, but that's what I'm telling somebody today. See it with supernatural eyes. If God is with us, who can be against? Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. If God is with us, who can be against us? And so when you feel like there's more against you, just say, Lord, open my eyes to the plan and the purpose and the power of heaven and the anointing that you have. Come on, somebody give God a praise right there. And that's my prayer for you today, is that you'll lift up your eyes and see that he's with you, that he's for you. You've got to see your future like God sees it. In Numbers chapter 13, God tells Moses, it's time to go to the promised land. I brought you out of Egypt, and it's time. It's time to walk into everything I have for you. He said the future generations, they're going to be in this promised land. It's beautiful. There's milk. There's honey. There's gardens you didn't plant. There's vineyards you didn't plant. There's houses you didn't build. But you're going to walk into all of it. So Moses sends 12 spies to see what God had prepared. They go and see the houses. They go and see the gardens. They go and see the vineyards. They go and see that land that's flowing with milk and honey. And they see these great big fruit trees and the grapes and all this stuff. But they also saw fortified walls. They also saw the wall of Jericho that you could race chariots side by side. They also saw the men with bows and arrows on the tops of these fortified walls. They saw giants that were taller and bigger than them. They saw armies full of warriors and great economies and great cities and great leaders. And verse 27 tells us they come back to give Moses this account. They said, we went into the land that you sent us. And it's true, it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. They showed him these great big grapes. But the people there are very powerful. And the cities are fortified with great big walls. And they are very large. And we also saw the descendants of Anak, that was giants, there. And so 10 of these spies come back to Moses and they say, Moses... Uh, we don't see it like you see it. We don't see it like God sees it. In verse 33, they said, we saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Don't ever say you're a grasshopper when God said you're more than a conqueror. Don't say you're a grasshopper when God says you are called, anointed, equipped, empowered, a child of the Most High, a child of your Heavenly Father, a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But they said, we're grasshoppers. But there was two guys, two guys. And it was, it was actually Caleb that silenced the people in verse 30. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. Oh, I love that. Ten spies say the giants are too big. The walls are too big. The bows and arrows are too much. They were looking at the wrong things. 
And if you're not careful on the cusp of 2024, you can be looking at all the wrong things. But there was a few that said, you know what? The giants are big. The walls are big. But our God is bigger. The giants are great. The walls are great. But our God is greater. Yeah, I saw bows and arrows, but I saw fruit trees. I saw milk and honey. I I saw all these blessings of vineyards and gardens and all the good things. And I want to tell somebody today, it matters what you are looking at. God judged those 10 faithless spies and they never saw the promised land again. And if we're not careful, we can walk and say, Lord, yeah, I know you can provide, but you don't know about this economy. Or God, I know that it says you can do this, but you don't understand all the things that are coming against me. But it matters how we see things. I wish somebody would open supernatural eyes today and say, yes, those giants are big, but my God is greater. Yes, there's big problems, but God is a big God. He's for us. Who can be against us? It matters how you see the things in your life. The the next thing I want to say is you've got to talk like God talks. You've got to speak your future like God speaks it. God said to Isaiah, do you perceive it? One of the translations of yada is that you will cause people to know it, meaning you already got it and now you are saying it. We have to speak about our future. We have to speak about 2024. We have to speak about our family, our business, our church, the same way God talks about it. I believe there is power in our words. That's why there's power when you pray. You are bringing heaven to earth. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. As it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. You're bringing heaven to earth when you pray. You are bringing God's will into your life when you pray. That's why over and over and over and over, I can't even express how many times in Scripture, the command is to confess it with your mouth. Confess that He's your Savior. Confess that He's your healer. Confess that He's on the throne. Confess faith in Him, in His ability. Confess faith. Jesus would would say to Pilate, He would say, as you say it, as you said it. And so there's power in that declaration. We don't have to get beyond the first page of your Bible to where you will see that God formed the world with his words. There is power when we speak his word into our world. Not my word. Catch the difference. His word into my world. That's why God said to the prophet, do you perceive it? Can you see it? Can you understand it? Can you recognize it? I believe there is supernatural power when I begin to say, not what I said, but what God said. I'm not saying that you just say anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you speak what God said, God said, I'm blessed. God said, I'm saved. God said, our children are blessed. God said, our home is blessed. God said, we're protected. God said, we're provided. There is supernatural power. When you say what God has already declared, Hebrews 4 says, this book is living and active. 
God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. Are you able to perceive it? And in God's kingdom, this is so key, we will say it before we see it. That is the process of faith. We hear God say it. We believe it enough to say it out loud. Have you ever had something in the in-between? It's like it was in your spirit, but you couldn't bring yourself to say it. You with me? It's like I read it in the book, but I don't have the, I don't have the faith yet to speak it. There's power when you'll begin to speak it. And I, I just, I, I think sometimes we have, I don't know if you're like me, but like sometimes I'll have like 90% faith in this category and 9% faith in this category. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know God can do it for a missionary in South America or Asia, but can he do it for me? And, and, and that's where you've got to get enough faith to say, if God said it, I'm going to say it. If God said it, I, I have enough faith for me to say it. This is why Elijah said, I, and here's what I said. You've got to say it sometimes when, that's what I meant to say. You've got to say it some, a lot of times you've got to say it when your faith is at 45%. You've got to say it when your faith is at 90 or 9 or 18. Just go ahead and say it before it happens, before, maybe even before you really just, but, but the more you say it, the more you believe it and the more you stand on it and, and you ought to write it down somewhere. Moses said, write it down. And this is why Elijah said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He heard it in his spirit because it was still a drought. And in prayer, he was saying, Lord, I'm hearing a lot of rain. It wasn't raining yet. He heard it in his spirit. And then he says, I see a small cloud, uh, uh, the size of a man's hand. And it's way up in the sky, prophet. Uh, and he says, all right, that's all I needed. I don't need to see a big, a big, what do they call them? Cumulus cloud. I don't need to see this big, dark cloud. I just, if there's a cloud up there in the sky, the size of a hand, he said, you better get in the chariot and you better start going because there's going to be so much rain that this mountain is going to flood. And all of a sudden, the rain kept coming down. I want to tell somebody, if God said it, you can say it. If God said it, we ought to stand on it. If God said it, we ought to believe it. Because when God says it, we say it, God does it, then we see it. Oh, I, I just have faith in the house today to say God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what I could even ask or think. But if I'll begin to say it, begin to confirm it in my life. You know, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf when we don't know what to pray. I love that. You ought to get that prayer language. And be able to pray every single day in the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like the early church was in the book of Acts. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I've said this before, but I've talked to people in the church and they'll unpack a dilemma to me. And I'll say, it, uh, there's trouble with that. I, I don't know if you go left or right, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. 
and we're going to pray in the Holy Spirit. Because until I know what to say, I'm not going to say anything. You with me? I'm not going to pray myself out of a good job just because it's a challenging season. I'm going to say, Lord, have your will. Lord, have your way. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit intercede and pray on my behalf until the Holy Spirit shows me what to pray. When we come in here on Sunday, we sing songs of praise. And I know that every single Sunday we come in here, there's somebody with a heavy heart that's had a bad week, a bad month, or a bad year. But they come in here and lift up holy hands and say, Lord, has been good. We're in a holy place. I, I've come to praise him. He's been so good. He's a miracle worker. He, he, he's, he's a healer. He's a savior. And, and, and in their spirit, that's been a bad week. But there's power in that confession. I was driving to church this morning, and I love this. There's a gospel station, a radio station in town. They play gospel music on Sunday morning. And uh, I, I was listening on the way in, and it was, you know, it was, anybody go back to the 90s? It was one of those big choirs. And um, they just, you know, back then, they would just say the same thing a hundred times in a row. You, ever, you remember these songs? It was like, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And it was just like a like hundred times, like God's going to do it. And it was one of those songs. It was like they were just having a praise break on, on 90 whatever, 5 a.m. it was. Not, not Z88, it's another one. And, 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 they, and they were just going after it. And it was, he was just the choir director was going, God is good. God is good. God is good. And I'm just driving. I'm like, God is good. And then I was like, man, this is like 27 times in a row. And they kept going. But then I thought, you know what? There's power in that God's people gathering together in the house of God. When I don't feel it yet. When I don't see it yet, God is a healer. God is a savior. God is on the throne. God has been good. And somebody ought to just say it in their mouth today. God's been too good for me to stay quiet. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's power in that when you just declare it with your mouth. The proverb said the power of life and death is in the tongue. James says, your words, Darren, are like the rudder of a ship. And even though that rudder is very small, it turns the whole ship. Your tongue is that way. It's going to be a good day. It's a good day. It's going to be a bad day. <laughs> you better decree that thing with your mouth. Job 22 says, if you'll decree a thing, it will be established. And if I declare God's word and I apply it and I believe it, over time, my life will line up with God's word. So turn off the news. You already know it's bad news. That's the only thing they tell you. I saw Norman in here. Norman's a fireman. You know, on the news tonight, the 11 o'clock news, they're going to tell us about some, something that burned down. But they're not going to tell us, Norman, about the 1,000 fire calls that were positive. Pull the cat out of the tree. 
helped an old lady up the stairway. Put out a little kitchen fire. Could have been worse, but the firemen were right there. They don't tell you that. They tell you about some warehouse downtown that burned down. Because you, they, they did bad news sells. So turn off the bad news and get in the good news. Come on, somebody. Get in the good news of what God has. Lord, I thank you because you're doing something new today. I don't know what it is, but I know you're at work. I know you ride on a swift cloud. I know that God is doing it. Somebody ought to believe it and receive it in the house today. God's doing a good thing. You know, if you'll fast forward 40 years in in the life of Joshua to Joshua chapter 3, God led them back to that border And now they are about to walk into the promised land. Joshua 3 and 4, though, God tells Joshua, he says, you're not going to go in like you went in last time. Last time you went in like a spy. He says this time, he he says this, he says, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. You've never gone this way. You went in last time like a spy. You're going in this time like a warrior. It's the same promise. You're going to inherit the land, but God said you're going to go about it a new way. The first time the faithless words of God's people talked themselves out of the miracle, out of the promise, and he says, this time when you go to Jericho, you're not going to say a word because I don't want you talking yourself out of it again. They complained and they murmured. They said God brought them out there to die instead of saying God has a hope and a future for us. He says the first time you went in covertly, hiding, secretly, this time you're not going to hide. This time you're going to be out in front and you're going to march around those walls for seven days in a public display of faith, making that, and don't, don't I think we hear that in Sunday school and like we, we lose the significance when, a, when people would march around your wall, it was, it was, it was threatening. It was a sign of dominance. It's like we are taking this territory. And what they were saying when they were marching around the city is they were saying, this is our city. This is God's city. And he said, on the final day, I want you to blow trumpets of victory before you've won anything. It would be like celebrating the touchdown when you're on the one yard line. Not that one yard line, that one yard line. <laughs> like you're, you're celebrating the victory and we hadn't even tipped the ball up in the air yet. And he says, you're going to blow trumpets of victory before the walls come down. You've got to believe what God said so much. You're willing to walk it out. You're willing to shout it out. And they received a promise from God. But the promise was you've got to go about it a new way. And I'll tell somebody today, maybe that's God's word for your life. It's a new year, but it's the same house. It's the same street. It's the same spouse. The same kids. Wake up tomorrow, it's the same business. The same job. The same problems, but I want to tell you, you can have a new approach, a new attitude, a new faith, a new prayer life, 
new words coming out of your mouth, and you can see it all in the new light of a new day. Somebody before they leave the house today ought to say, God is doing a new thing in my life. I might not have a new house, but God's doing a new thing in my home. I might have the same issue, but God is coming at it from a new way. God is doing a new thing in my family. God's doing a new thing in our home. God's doing a new thing in our teenagers. God is doing a new thing in our business. God is doing a new thing in this city. God is, oh, hallelujah. God is the God of a new thing. He's got a new thing. Didn't come at it the right way last time. God's got a new thing. So Joshua, they had failed coming at it that way before. So God says, I've got a new way for you to come at it. And so many of us want to jump ship into a new job, a new house, a new environment. And really all you need is for God to do a new thing on the inside. And God can do a new thing in the same thing that he already promised you 40 years ago, four years ago, four months ago, God's doing a new thing in the same thing. It's the same miracle I need, but I got a new attitude. It's the same problem, but I got a new prayer life. This hasn't been working, so I'm waiting on God to do the new thing. And the old me would have got huffed up and puffed up and and said things I shouldn't have said and gave up. But God's doing a new thing. And I've got a new attitude. And the old me might have got offended and blamed God and jumped ship and walked away. But God is doing a new thing. I'm going after God in a new way. And I'm going to start the year in a new way with a 21 days that's going to ignite my faith like never before. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. And I'm going to believe God like I've never believed for, because I want God to do something I've never seen him do before. So I've got to do something I've never done before. I'm going to have faith like I never had faith. I'm going to trust him like I never have before. I'm going to go after him like I never have before to see God do a new thing in my life. Amen, amen, amen. I got to close today. Um, I got to close. When, as we come today, we're going to approach the Lord's table in a minute. But God said to Isaiah, he said, do you perceive it? And actually, I've saved the main and the primary translation for that Hebrew word yada to the end. And and primarily, it's to know and it's to perceive as it's translated for us in English. To understand, do you know? And I want to close today by saying you have to know like God knows that eternity is in your future. God is a God of eternity. And we have an eternal spirit that God has breathed into us. But the only thing we know is this temporary world. But I want to come to the end of the year today and remind you that we were created not just for this world, but for eternity. 
God knows this. This is why he prioritizes eternity over our comfort, over our temporary, because he knows eternity. And God knows that eternity awaits us all. I want to show this to you in Philippians today. Chapter 3 It says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For I have often told you before and now tell you again. Paul's writing, he says, Even with tears in my eyes. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, meaning pleasure, temporary things. He says, and their glory is in their shame. He says their mind is set on earthly things. He reminds them, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. I want to remind you today, eternity is in your destiny. Our citizenship is heaven. And he says, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I'm in verse 21. By the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his. Music come. I'm going to come to a close today. But I want to just remind you today that this world, as we know it, will not last. And depending on your readiness to meet the Lord, I think we either receive that with joy or we can receive that with fear. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has set eternity in the human heart. So in each and every one of us, we know there's, there's eternity in us. And it says nobody can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so your future is not just tomorrow as we open a new year. It's not just next week as we maybe get back to normal life. And it's not just next month as we've talked about all the things that are happening in January or whatever plans and, 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 and goals and things that you have in this new year. Don't just focus on 2024, but focus on eternity. Have a longer view. Have the view that God has. Yes, I'm walking into 2024, but someday I'll walk into eternity. And all of us will live in eternity somewhere. Paul says, yes, our citizenship is in heaven. He says, yes, to the church. He says, heaven is our home. The old song said, won't it be wonderful there? Our Savior will be there. Worship will be there. 
A heavenly choir will be there. Streets of gold will be there. Heavenly mansions, loved ones, no more crying over there, no more parting over there. But then Paul says, the apostle says, with tears in his eyes, he said, but there's so many, in verse 19, he said, there's so many, that's not in their future. Destruction is in their future. Because their mind, that's what he said, is only set on earthly things. They're not living with heaven in mind. They're not living with heaven as their finish line. But I want to tell somebody today, someday, he will make all things new. He said in Revelation 21 and 5, he that was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 said, anyone that is in Christ is a new creature. I'm going to invite the ushers to come and prepare uh, the elements for communion. And as the ushers come into place, I believe that many of you probably um, received communion elements on the way in. But would you stand with me all over the room today? And those that maybe had not received communion, maybe just raise your hand as the ushers kind of move through the audience today. And once you have this communion element in your hand, I'll tell you the top uh, will reveal the bread and the second will release the juice. And I want to read one more passage before they're moving, uh, before we receive today, and I know they're still moving through. And ushers, once you move through to the back, I'm going to invite you to come back up to the front. There is a blessing in this holy and sacred moment to receive the sacrifice and to open the covenant, the new covenant that God has for each and every one of us. And I, as I was looking over my notes this morning, I, I, I usually don't trust this kind of thing, but I think it was the Lord today. My Bible fell open to this 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and it just struck me in a new way. It said, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. And I just felt like saying, let us not receive this new year in vain. Let us not receive a new day just saying, ah, it's just another day. But let's receive it as the gift of God. His grace is a gift. His mercy is new every morning. This new year is a gift. Today is a gift. And as God's co-workers, we encourage you, we urge you rather, not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. 
And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And I declare that in this house today. David prayed it this way. He said, Lord, I, I, I'm so grateful for your spirit. He said, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. He said, create a right spirit within me again. He said, cleanse my heart. And he said, don't cast me from your presence and, and don't take your spirit away from me. And I'll tell you, as we close the year and as we open a new year, God wants you to have a renewed heart today. God wants you to have a renewed spirit today. He wants to be your Messiah. He wants to be your Savior. He is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And as we approach this supper of the Lord, I just ask you today, who can wash away our sin of 2023? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash us white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Said, oh precious is that flow that makes us white as snow. No other fountain that I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I think, can think of nothing more appropriate than approaching the new year at the Lord's table in the Lord's house with the Lord's people. And on that last night with the disciples, we have this account of the Lord's Supper. It says in Luke 22 that Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do in remembrance of me. He says in verse 20, he says in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And as I receive this communion today with you, I wonder if all over the house, would you just repeat after me, Lord, take a look at my heart. I want to be right with you. I want to be washed in the blood. Wash me, Lord. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Give me hope. In a future, I turn from everything that's unpleasing to you. I receive your forgiveness, receive your mercy and grace. Fill me with your spirit. I want to be ready to meet you in the air. Jesus said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat, do in remembrance of me until I come. Church, receive the bread.
after they had received the bread that was his body, he said, this cup represents my blood that is shed for the remission of sin. He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come. Church, receive the cup. And I pray over this house right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we look to you, Lord, as the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, because you are the God of a new thing. Lord, the former things, Lord, we will dwell on no more because they're washed under the blood. Lord, because you have removed them as far as the east is from the west. Lord, you said that you have cast them into a sea of forgetfulness. And Lord, if you've forgotten them, I pray right now that we would forget them and that we would move forward in mercy and grace, that we would move forward, Lord Jesus, in your salvation and your covering for us. We lift our hearts to you today, Lord Jesus. And I pray over this house right now, Lord, that you would touch each and every one of us. Lord, that there would be a special grace, Lord, that there would be a special covering over this house, God. And as we lift our voice to your church, would you just lift your voice to him right now? I wonder if you just call on the name of the Lord all over this house right now. Lord Jesus, we look to you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we believe you, Lord Jesus. Lord, for your promises in our life, God. We call on you today, God. Lord, as the author and the finisher of our faith, God. Lord, we lift you up in this place, Lord Jesus. Lord, we call on you, Lord Jesus. Lord, for every need to be supplied, God. We thank you and we praise you for all your goodness in our lives, Lord Jesus. We lift you up today, Lord. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray right now a special prayer over this house. Lord, I pray a prayer over every heart, over every mind, Lord. Lord, let us seek you, Lord, in this new year, God. I pray over this church, Lord Jesus, bless us, protect us, Lord, empower us, give us everything that we need, God. I pray you'd bind this church together in unity, Lord. Let us devote ourselves to you in this new year, God. And I pray a special anointing and a special prayer over it today. And I pray that today in Jesus' name. How many said amen? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you for being in the house today. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.